Welcome to Let's Talk About It, where we talk about the it's that no one wants to talk about. We are question-based and conversation-driven. Hi, my name is Olegia Nozier. Hi, my name is Paula Camacho. Thanks for hanging out with us two immigrants who have a whole lot to say and a whole lot to learn. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Let's Talk About It. My name is Paula. And my name is Olegia <laughs> And today we have with us Olegia's cousin for guests. Guys, say hello to our audience, please. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so we are joined by Jasem and Nini. Um, I'm very excited about this episode. Yeah, me too. Because it's it's going to be great and they are wonderful people. So Nini, can you tell us how old you are? Seven. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> and Jasem, can you tell us how old you are? I'm 22. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to be getting to very different or maybe very similar perspectives yeah. i don't know stay tuned to find out um in this episode this is our second episode of the are you happy series and to start off we are changing things up a little bit so normally we ask one serious question to get started but today we are going to be asking a series of serious questions in rapid fire to find out how well the two of you know each other. So they're sisters, everybody, for all of you listening. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a question, Nini, and you're going to have to answer it on behalf of Jassam. And then Paolo will ask Jassam and Jassam will answer it on behalf of you. And then we'll see how well the two of you know each other. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So Nini... What is Jassam's favorite color? She doesn't have one. Is that correct, Jassam? Yep. <laughs> nice. Okay, Jassam, what about what about you? What what is Nini's favorite color? Nini's favorite color is drum roll pink. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she showed us. She's showing us a pink. What is that, Nini? Poppet. It's a poppet. Oh, a poppet. I don't even, guys. I don't even know what a poppet is. <laughs> it's for stress. <laughs> oh. Apparently, I've seen a lot of kids with those toys. <laughs> so she like, like she basically just like pops the bubbles in. Oh. And it's it's like a fidget. Okay. Thing. Cool. I have this one. <laughs> and this one she has she's showing us yeah this where one. she's showing us a lot of a lot of them friends for all of you just imagine <laughs> just imagine <laughs> um okay we're gonna move on to our next question are you ready nini i already asked no no, no just i'm already answered right. she said that your favorite color is pink <laughs> <laughs> okay are you ready for the next one okay nini what is just sam's favorite ice cream flavor Vanilla. Vanilla. Jasam, is that correct? Yes. Anything that's white. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jasam. <laughs> what is Nini's favorite ice cream then? Nini's favorite ice cream flavor, there are two of them, is bubblegum and cotton candy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Nini, is that correct? Yes. Does she get those right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> uh, we got two more questions for you, or maybe three. We'll see. Okay, Nini, 
what TV show is Jasam watching? K-drama. <laughs> K-drama. Jasam, is that correct? Yes, I'm always watching shows from around the world. If you want to check out the K-drama, it's on Netflix. It's called Mad For You. <laughs> copyright. Oh, it's not a copyright. She said copyright. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> the kids of this place. <laughs> <laughs> Nini knows what's up. Yeah. Nini knows what's up. <laughs> okay, Jasam, what about Nini's favorite show? Um, Nini's favorite show, okay, is possibly funny. Or no, I think it's almost the other one. I can't remember the other name, but Nini always watches people gaming. So that's all I know. Incorrect. <laughs> incorrect. Okay, it's incorrect. Nigerian is coming out. Cadet? Incorrect. Okay. Okay, Nini. You watch what? F Mal. Oh, I don't even know what that is. Okay. (laughs) We have um we are gonna close out with with this question. Nini, what is your favorite thing about Jasam? She buys me stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Is that true, Jasam? Does that check out? (laughs) Uh, yeah, that does check out. It's the only thing she likes about me is that I have money. Other than that, she loses me alone. <laughs> <laughs> only when she wants something that she comes up to make me sound, but it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> um, uh, what about you, Jasem? What is your favorite thing about Nini? Oh, that's really hard question. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess, like, the fact that she's, like, super responsible for her age is my favorite thing about her it really helps you know having that last kid just being like go do this and she was like yeah do it (laughs) nini does that does that sound correct to you i don't know (laughs) (laughs) that's okay you're allowed to not know um well thanks for doing that rapid fire session guys guys. that was a lot of fun and we thought it would be a fun way to kind of get to know a little bit more about the two of you so for everybody listening you'll if you listen to our first episode you know that we asked a lot of questions about happiness and so one of the questions that paula had asked was as adults have we overcomplicated the concept of happiness or as kids was the concept of happiness oversimplified to us so we wanted to get a snapshot of both of those perspectives and that's why we've called jasam and nini on here to join us today Um, So we're going to ask Nini some questions first, if that's all right, Jasam, and then we will get more into this conversation. So I'm going to hand it off to Paula to ask uh, the first few questions. Yeah. Okay, Nini. So what is happiness to you? Uh, (laughs) It's like my friends. Happiness is your friends? Yes. And what about them makes you happy? They're nice. I love that. That's important. It's important to have happy friends. And I'm sorry, to have nice friends that make you happy. Mm-hmm. So then what what do you do when you're sad? Eat candy. Eat candy. What kind of candy do you like to eat? Cotton candy. Mm. And that makes you, does that make you feel better? Yes. That's awesome. 
Okay, so we have another question for you then. Yeah. So you you now gave us what you think happiness is from your perspective. But then do you think adults are happy? She's nodding her head. She said yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do you think adults are happy? Because everyone's happy. Hmm. Do they look happy to you? They look like adults. I don't know what they look like. They look like, they look like this. They look like adults. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very, very, very fair. Um, Is there anything else you would like to talk about in terms of happiness with us today, Nini? No. No, you don't have anything else. No, okay. that's fair. That's cool. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome to sit with us in this conversation if you like. But we're gonna ask just Sam some questions now, and it might it might take a little while. Oh, <laughs> she left. Can you say, Nini? Wait, come back. Nini, come back. We want to say goodbye. We want you to say bye to our listeners. Thank you so much, Nini, for. Well, we just want to say thank you for answering these questions. They're actually very important, and we wanted to hear especially what you thought about it. Yeah. So thanks for talking with us today. Okay, bye, Nini. Bye. <laughs> Au revoir. Au revoir. Ooh, there's that French. Okay. <laughs> okay, you can stay too. <laughs> All right. Um, just Sam. So we want to kind of um, jump on and continue with this conversation. We'll ask you the same question that we started off asking Nini. And the question is, what is happiness? Uh, I don't know. To me, I guess happiness is whatever that definition is for anybody. Like, to me, I guess happiness is just... An emotion? Yeah, it's an emotion. Thanks, Nini. (laughs) Happiness, to me, is not just one thing. It's a lot of things. And it's whatever that definition is for that person. There's not like one set definition for happiness, right? It's a feeling, an emotion that can happen due to a trigger. Like that can be like your family or my friends or eating that bounty chocolate at 2 p.m. in the night. (laughs) Yeah. Or as my sister says, eating all the time. (laughs) I like food. (laughs) (laughs) hey we're down we're down for that food is important well we just also um it's so interesting because we've asked a number of people what like well we've asked you know can money buy happiness we are we paul and i tried to answer what is happiness Mm -hmm. and we've just asked it to you and it'll probably continue to be a question throughout the series but it's super interesting to me that when people are asked the question what is happiness it always goes to well you know it it could be defined by multiple things and and i just always wonder in that definition of multiple things how do we then ever actually reach happiness if we can't mm-hmm. define it like is it actually attainable mm, that's a good question <laughs> nini just saying on nini's not in our head right now just like she's like mm-hmm, yeah <laughs> um okay yeah i think that's a very good question like i guess it's like that whole thing from psych class hey plug in king's university that dr (laughs) dr pete would always say of like it all depends like that's what life is you know like all the, the definitions that we have are all of like our emotions or certain things that we feel or 
things that we experience those are all man-made words given to that specific thing i don't know where who made it but it's not it's it's a collective consciousness that we all ascribe like if you're smiling or if you feel this like euphoric feeling like that's happiness Mm -hmm. you know so like no i don't know if we've ever like if yeah i know your question Damn, oh, I do. Philosophical deep. Um, <laughs> That's what we hear. Yeah, it's a good question. Talk about I'm it. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like, how do we know? How do we know if it's attainable, if we can't, if it's so many things? But I think that's the beauty of it, right? It's like, mm-hmm. because it is so many things, then no one is prescribed to live in, like, a limited box mm-hmm. of, like, what makes them happy, you know? Like, it's they can like break out of that box because it's different things for them it's like you're not so you're not set like looking for this one specific goal of thing like this happiness is is attainable when you have uh money that's the only thing that's that's what makes everybody like if that's how life is or how it was how happiness is described then like everybody would just be going towards that goal and people that can't like reach that amount like get that money may feel like okay well i'm not happy because i don't have that money and then like kind of miss everything else around mm-hmm. them that could truly be making them happy but because they've been told it's money that makes that happiness then they're, they're only focused on that mm-hmm. i don't know if i made sense but that's my thought <laughs> no that makes a lot of sense um sorry paula it sounds like you have a question i was gonna ask a follow-up but go ahead no, I well, I have more of a comment because as just I was speaking, what came to mind was this week um something showed up on my <laughs> Instagram feed and it was talking about happiness and it said uh, one day you will discover that happiness is never going to be a moment you reach but a thousand different moments. Mm. And I think that's a good way of describing it because we are just asking out here like how do you know you reach happiness? Well, it's not... Uh, I think, like, purpose, happiness is not a destination, but rather a, a set of a stops through the journey, I suppose. We can put it that way. Mm. Where you, you, you get those moments of happiness and joy in between everything else that is going on around you. That's a really interesting thought. I definitely haven't seen it that way, but I think it's beautifully said. That idea of it being multiple, like, a culmination of multiple things. And I guess the follow-up question that I wanted to ask just Sam um, was kind of how she was saying, you know, because happiness means so many different things to so many people, then it means that there's not necessarily a prescribed way that we can really say, oh, this is this is how you should be happy. This is happiness. But I was going to ask, but doesn't culture do that? So what do we do with 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 that itself? Damn, I don't know. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> the thing is, culture also itself is, like, it's different, right? It's many things. And it's all different according to, like, what specific culture you're from or what specific part of the world you're from. So, like, even if happiness may mean, again, back to, like, my 
I don't know the English word to use here, but like when I refer my reference of like money. Wow, thank you. The the words come after. <laughs> after <laughs> but my reference to like money being like if money was defined as that's what happiness is. So like if that's what happen money is like defined as happiness in a Western world, that doesn't necessarily mean that in the non Western world or in Eastern part of the in the Eastern part of the world or the or the northern part of the world that like money is that you know or like even in that specific world there are different cultures right where like it could be a chair is money not to like you get my uh reference mm-hmm. right like a chair can be money mm-hmm. sorry a chair can be happiness or this bed can be happiness or water is happiness you know like it's again it's back to like specific like different things so that's why we can't say like happiness is one thing because and, and especially in the world now where we're living that's globalized people are take what their meanings for things from different places different cultures different understandings so in itself happiness is already because culture is many different things the the meaning of happiness that we apply to happiness is already flexible it's already it's not static it's mm. not standard you know so in that way like we can't set it as one thing so i love 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 the fact that you went in this direction because um when paula and i were were thinking about this we were also very interested in that idea of you know intersectionalities and how that kind of plays into a person's ability to understand or experience or conceptualize happiness um and mm-hmm. we well audience you may not know but Jassam actually did a double major in psychology and sociology and she currently works a job where she um, is required to really be aware about how social and intersectional factors play into mental health and well-being and so what a wonderful person to have to kind of speak to these issues and so Jassam we'd love for you to draw a little bit from your vast knowledge and experience in that area and kind of speak to how uh, potentially one's you know, you were saying the differences across the world, but even in socioeconomic status or in, you know, the different aspects of a person's identity, how do you think that plays into the connection to the idea of happiness? And what are some things we need to think about when we're defining happiness? Okay. Um, so because like what you, uh, what you said of me walking in a place where I have to like take incorporation, like of their social identity, social, cultural, economic status of like the people that I work with and how that affects their life and how they make interactions. It's definitely for sure opened up my eyes to like what, how people live their life or how people make meaning of things and what those meanings like end up being for them and how they like, how it sets up how they live their life and interact with people. And um, if so, for example, if someone grows up in a in a society or environment where no one around them is having I'm not even going to say hap, like has happiness I'm going to say like if so, no one around them is putting out positive energy or pu- putting out positive behaviors that behaviors that they can like see and understand and make meaning of and it's constantly like negative surroundings negative energy negative thought process and how and a negative bit of like 
building your own identity it doesn't they've not it doesn't like open up doors or like create a path for that individual to then attribute those meanings because all they've seen attribute those meanings to something positive because all they've seen is like negative right so when they grow up or like as they're growing up the interactions they have with people are constantly on the defensive right they're constantly um struggling okay like even when something good happens it's like they can't trust it so you're because they don't they don't know what that that means they don't know what good means they don't know what that feeling is like so they may feel good inside but they don't trust that feeling because it's unknown to them right so in, in that sense everything if, if it's not stopped or if nothing if it's not like cultivated you can't attribute meanings to something things that are positive or good because it's not cultivated you don't know it you haven't lived that it's not a collective consciousness within your your group of people right so um like my job has helped me open up and that's really what we're trying to do even at my job at my workplace is like the basis of what we're trying to do is to re-socialize the individual so then they know what like what it means to have a healthy um, coping skills and healthy living skills right so that when they go out into society and we're starting at a young age so when they go out into society they, they they are able to define what happiness means to them they are able to define what having a good life means to them they're able to define what having good relationships means to them or what that relationship should look like right so um i think it all goes back again to that like nature nurture thing of just like yes there's factors in especially in our world where now like we're opened up to more psych like looking at things psychologically of like there's mental health issues that are incorporated into the into how we grow up and how we shape ourselves and how we make meaning of things um there are so someone can have fasd someone can be which in that that's a whole thing on itself right because if you have fasd you can't you can't compartmentalize, sorry. You can't categorize things. You can't, like, take an object and, like, make that mean. Like, the connections or cognitive connections are just not there. Or someone can be bipolar. Or someone can have a personality disorder. That incorporated with, like, the nurture of, like, the environment you're brought up in. Where meanings aren't attributed, positive meanings aren't attributed to the right things. So then you make meanings of things when that may not mean this, like, they may not be good meanings. So, like, how you grow up and all of that shapes how you then interact with things in your social environment. So, like, you can't necessarily, like, be able to look at, like, have a relationship with someone and say, this this behavior they're doing right now, like, they bought me... They bought me uh something because I'm on my menstrual cycle or something like they gave me some pills and and um to Advil to help me like with the pain and they gave me uh, a warm sack to put on my belly because I'm cramping or like they got me pads like if if you give that to someone with in 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 the environment that I work at they may just be like why are you doing that like they may feel good and be like oh I'm so happy that you did that for me. But like they just like would not express that they just they would look at you and be like, what is wrong with you? Like why would you do that for me? I don't trust that, you know. And they're not able to express that. Meanwhile, so on the other flip side, someone that 
has been socialized in a way that they can see positive relationships may just be like oh my gosh thank you like i really appreciate that you did that that makes me feel good and they're able to express that so maybe if i really answered the questions but <laughs> that's my thought <laughs> wow just um <laughs> you came in hot. so hot no that's so good and i think all of what you just said also kind of goes to show like what we were saying of happiness is just not like a set definition and that's it because what i understand of what or, like the way you explain it is like there are people who maybe haven't mm -hmm. had a good interaction in the past and don't really have that concept of what happiness should look like not that there has to be a way in which it has to look like but like you know what i mean like you you do something good for them and it's almost like this is off like i'm not used to this like there's something that i'm feeling and it feels good but i um i'm not in mm -hmm. tune with this feeling so like it's weird for them but then like i think when when you have this um opportunity then to see yeah. and be surrounded by other kind of environment then it helps you get a different mm -hmm. glimpse of what happiness I should also look like. want to hop in and say I uh, hone in on what you said about the relationality of the definition um, in the idea that people being socialized to know what particular things yeah. mean and how they look and what is the appropriate response to them in a sense we're talking about culture right we're talking about how have we been taught to look at particular um yeah to look at particular ideas in society and how do we how have we been taught to relate to them and so i think you kind of bringing on that idea of um of relationality of you know not having necessarily a clear trustworthy consistent expression of how to relate to this particular idea um very much impacts us whether it's for better or for worse Yeah, and like even even now that I was talking to, I was just like, but like I feel like, in of itself, are we also like telling people what they should feel based on what we think, what that meaning has to us mm -hmm. in that sense? Like because if I'm saying, well, I not like not to be flipping, but like oh to me bounty chocolate is like happy and because i gave you bounty chocolate this is what this is a positive thing so you should be happy about that because to me that's what like happiness is or like that's what a positive interaction is but in a in another sense um trigger warning for everyone there um for what i'm about to say but like someone that is an addict that takes um i don't know whatever drug it is met or whatever to them they're like that's what makes me happy that's what shouldn't off those signals that's what i've related that meaning for because it makes me happy like so then do i have i know this is like an extreme but like do i have the authority then to be like well that's not actually a happy thing you know like that's not what happiness is or that's not a positive thing so like i'm taking that away from you in that sense i guess like i shouldn't have used meh because that's like a very extreme but i guess like subtraction weed um what just i'm saying like i think it's a fair question to have and i hadn't think about it that way because we have been saying so far like 
our definition of happiness is different from everybody right so like it's fair to ask that question like are we just then in trying to impose what we think happiness should look like in others i think it honestly comes down to a position of humility i think everything at the end of the day comes down mm. to a position of humility because yeah. the with the example that Jasam picked while it feels a little bit extreme i think there's something really important to to hone in on there as well which is you know, you kind of use the the uh, example of bounty chocolate and somebody who um, has substance use disorder or substance use issues. And I think because in an essence, there is a euphoric element to both sides, right? But one, like the consequences and the things that lead a person potentially to either of those choices are very different. And so we do have to to ask ourselves, um, we do have to ask ourselves, where am I coming from in terms of this? Because I think too, in that element, we make it easy for us to judge people and you know and their choices and whatever from a very disem- disengaged, um, elevated kind of speaking to power again um, state. I'm not saying in any capacity that um, an individual who is who is dealing with substance use disorder should be, you know, left because that's their definition of happiness or whatever. But what I am saying is we need to understand where we're coming from and what is driving us to look at one definition over another um, and place different value statements on it and attach those value statements to people. That's where I leave that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's a question that you, that, this question is so important because it's also a question that you ask in whatever form or whatever stance you're coming from. If it's, especially if it's like some, somewhere where you're trying to help somebody out or as I was saying, you're trying, uh, or even in my job position of trying to re-calibrate um, someone's cognitive processing of what, certain behavior should be like it's it's like okay well why are they coming from this perspective like what 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 led them to this what is their definition of happiness and then you can find solutions to then recalibrate if it's something not positive you know because you, you have to ask yourself like am i imposing am i am i trying to make them see it from my put them in my own shoes or from my own perspective when I haven't even taken the time to understand their own perspective or like why they, they believe this way, this is this way or what their beliefs are. And I feel like sometimes as humans and in our in our world, we forget to do that, right? Like we, we just like go, go, go for the solution or go, go, go to like address something. But we're never really like taking a moment to pause and be like, hmm, why is this their belief system? You know, why... Is this something, why is it something, why they're going in this direction, right? Why is this their culture? Before we start saying, okay, look, let's change it, you know, like, let's redo everything. And I feel like even, like, looking at history and all of that, like, colonization, like, people going to other people's cultures and going, well, you know, they're savages, so, like, they're not really doing it the way we're doing it, so we're just going to change all of that, you know, not But, like, they didn't really ask, like, well... I don't know, like, this may look weird to me, but, like, why do they think it's this way? Like, why do they do that this way? It creates less problems. <laughs> <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. 
it creates less problems. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, right? It It's so true. And so I guess I want to actually ask you about that piece of culture um, because I think it, it just, we are, it's it's the water we're swimming in, right? Like we are so embedded in, in culture and all three of us here, interestingly, kind of walk between two cultures, right? So we have um, our immigrant, I guess for me and Josam, it's Nigerian and for Paula, it's Colombian, a mm-hmm. background and which comes with particular understandings and ways of being in the world and definitions of particular things. So I think we actually would be doing a disservice if we didn't also allow a space to talk about that in this context. So Josam, how do you think all of this idea of happiness, um, of multiple definitions, how does it relate to, you know, potentially culture understandings of, of happiness and how that also relates to mental health? Oh, yeah, it's a hard one because like with everything, there's a dichotomy, right? And like a well, duality, but being an immigrant and a Canadian and like live and have been lived there for like 12 years and having to re-socialize myself to understand or like integrate myself into the Canadian culture while also trying to retain my Nigerian culture when I come back home it's it's been like kind of a struggle because sometimes there's certain things that like my Nigerian parents believe I should be doing or believe I should be attaining because that's what's going to give me success that's what's going to lead me to a good life but then like there's also things that are from my Canadian culture that it's like well, this is what's going to lead to success, or this is, like, how you can attain a good life. And it's just, like, because they're, they're so completely different. The Canadian culture is very individualistic. While, I mean, it may say it's a collective, it's not necessarily it's individualistic, while my Nigerian culture is very much collective. The village raises the child. Everyone, every you can't do anything without asking your parents, right? Like, I literally can't, like... <laughs> buy anything without going mom do you think that this would be a good idea like should i get it or like or like i'm like i want to go even now i'm trying to apply for schools i'm like i have to give my mom the list of schools so we can make a decision together <laughs> and like but like in oh my what i've heard from like other friends and stuff like they pick what they want and then they go do that and it's like very much like the decisions i make affect my own my life and it's only affecting me uh, but then the dis- in the Nigerian culture, it's like the decisions I make affect my family. Like, my parents right now are doing stuff in Nigeria, but we're doing it as a family, right? Like, I contribute to it. I give, I, pu- I put money in because that makes me feel good, right? That's like, dang, I'm helping my parents. Like, I'm pa- like I'm old enough now to, that's making me happy. I'm taking care of my family, right? But like sometimes or like or at least in my own perspective this may not be what it is but in my own perspective it's like sometimes kids that grow up here and this is not like a drag on anyone but it's just like kids that grow up here it's most like if their parents ask for money or something it's kind of like that's my parents like that's your own thing it's separate from mine or like even like kids that i knew their parents didn't like help them be paying for school right it's just that it's that mentality like you've grown up you're 18 now go and like feel, go and see the world for yourself and and then they're left to like kind of figure it out and like do it for themselves but in like in nigerian culture 
that's not something that would happen if my parents like if even if you've turned 18 you've not left from under the care of your family until you start your own family right so like yes you you are an adult and you can make certain choices for yourself but you're it's still kind of like under the cushion of like your parents so they will help you in doing that and i'm not saying this is i'm not saying that that's like the Canadian ways, like that my perspective of the Canadian ways, like everywhere for everybody is just what I've seen, right? And so in that in in of that self, like it leaves I I think that it leaves like the individual, the kid or whatever to kind of struggle a lot. You know, like the kind of figure it out for themselves and that's can lead to like a lot of like mistakes which that's fine making mistakes are fine but it's just kind of like you feel like you're alone and like you can't like ask for help necessarily and i've like i've seen a lot of my friends and people i know being like oh yeah like i don't know i kind of struggle to do this or like i can't necessarily go to ask my parents for help and even when they talk about their parents it's not like oh their family it's not necessarily like in a positive way it's kind of like they had to like do all of these things they're not talking because when they ask for help it's this or like they can't even ask their parents to like watch their kids for them or something and it's kind of like a whole other thing but like i don't necessarily feel like that because i know that if i if i went to my parents and like this is i need help in this i need like i need you to help me watch this kid i will they will do it like even now if my aunties or uncles ask me to watch their kids for them it's kind of like you know like the collective i would say yeah sure like everyone is helping in the community and that helps in like lessening men like it can like in relation to mental health it kind of like helps in like you feeling like you can reach out to someone whereas like i feel like because the culture here is so individualistic have the time people struggle on their own without that like they don't have that um light bulb in their head that's like oh i actually have people around me that i can ask for help i actually have people around me that i can go and talk to like they feel like they have to struggle by themselves and that's not the case so i think you've done a really good job of kind of highlighting the i guess the the back and forth and kind of what i'm seeing too or thinking about in relation to your response is on the one hand there's that deep sense of connectedness of um of support and the ability to kind of reach out to the people who have supported you and have encircled you in a way uh, but on the other hand because of that there's then a responsibility to ensure that that collective is is happy to ensure that that collective approves of what is going on whereas on the flip side um in typical north american canadian hustle culture shameless plug for our last series y'all um there's that sense of oh i i can do this myself or i have to do this myself and so there is a sense of who do i go to when when i do need that support when i do need to be helped but also there's a little bit of a freedom for you to kind of define what it is you want to do and how it is you want to do it but then uh I guess my question here then is, when it comes to mental health, when you have this culture tension between two cultures, which is the Canadian culture and, or, you know, or background, because and I know uh, on on a like personal level we have discussed this topic of like how like for some reason <laughs> our parents, not that they don't believe in mental health, but they're like, huh? <laughs> And it always seems like so weird to us because then it becomes that struggle. At least for me, I know I have struggled with it. Like 
like sometimes I'm like trying to explain to them what mental health is, like why people deal with the things they deal with. And my parents just don't seem to be able to wrap their head around the idea. For example, like I remember so clearly one time my dad asked me, uh, like, Paula, why do people with money like struggle with depression and why things like that? And I was like, well, like that, like, you know, like money is not everything like money maybe wasn't making them happy i don't know i like again my mom too like she always says like back in my country <laughs> you don't have time to do that <laughs> and so like it makes it a little bit hard to talk about these topics too then because they just have this kind of mentality and obviously if you i i am of the strong belief that if you truly were going through something and you were gonna come clean to them like they will 100 support it and be there but it's just not something that they're used to i guess yeah you're well, so taking my words and putting it nicely thank you babes um <laughs> but yeah like it, i think that what you said is so true too because i think that's where also that dichotomy comes from of like you're kind of like walking be between the line of like oh my gosh like i can totally go and do this by myself versus like like why can't i do it by myself versus like oh but dang i can't do it without my parents knowing and then i know like some i be i be i be struggling with that all the time of like dang i could really just go and go like i can go do this and like not really necessarily ask for permission to do it but i'm like ah oh, dang it but like <laughs> and then i don't make a decision <laughs> so it's just like yeah the lifestyle <laughs> i think it also has to do with the language of it because you know i'll have conversations with with elderly family members or or whatever and me saying things like yeah like i just uh I know that that person was depressed or I know that that person dealt with anxiety or um, they had mental health issues and this is how they ended up where they are. Those words don't carry the same cultural meaning for them as they have come to carry for me. When I, I know that when I say um, they were depressed or they were anxious, I'm not just talking about the one emotion or the difficulty of 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 the life i know i'm talking about a chronic real um complicated like state of being that many many people deal with and need support through but potentially to to the family members i'm speaking to they're thinking of it as oh life was hard so they were sad for a moment why couldn't they just get it together and not be sad or there's other things in life that are more important like putting food on the table i don't have time to think about where i feel inside my head you know like those kinds of those kinds of things and so i do think that the the i mean we've been talking about cultural understanding here i think the cultural understanding of the words themselves are different and so it can be difficult to communicate when we're not coming from the same um basis understanding yeah, um, yeah, Liz, you're totally right. Because, like, even my mom and I and, like, another person had this conversation. And, like, I don't know if you've noticed this, but things that you wouldn't talk about before or, like, if you talked about it, they wouldn't understand it. Now I've noticed that my parents now, like, understand it because, again, it's that whole thing of the the meaning of the language has changed for them because they've been here 12 years now and they work in the health sector. So, like, it's it's different if you're not exposed to it you're not going to like understand it at all and 
I don't know if this is the same for you, Paula, but like in my in our culture, Nigerian culture, there's it's not that there are not people struggling with mental health in Nigeria. There are people struggling with mental health there, but the the again meaning of the language has changed. What the what the behavior you're seeing is it's it's different the understanding of it is different from what an, a canadian would understand of it a nigerian would look at that uh, someone having a mental breakdown and be like the devil the devil has taken over their body it's because they're cursed so like it's more of a spiritual meaning for them than like oh this is something that is like uh, something in the brain or something else or it's it's the environment like it's not that's that that meaning is not the same for them and so like it's having like when i have conversations with the again elderly nigerians here or like um or my uncles and aunties it's like we have to sit down and like explain what it what it is like in the understanding of it here and like try and like teach them and, and be patient and being like well while we may understand that while yes you, for you i'm not saying that something spiritual may not be happening but like this is also something like we have mad people we call that we call them mad people in nigeria but like they i remember i would see them when i was younger you know they're living on the streets they're not dressed properly they're dirty they're like they're talking to themselves they're having like um hallucinations or delusions and would be like avoid those people don't talk to those people like maybe we would give them food and help and like water and stuff but it was like it's the idea of just like nope it's the, it's the devil you need to stay far away but like coming here and then having gone to school here and the edu- education i've received here has changed my mind to be like well what if that person was dealing with something that's like schizophrenia or something else that isn't just necessarily a spiritual thing, but it's something that, like, the environment, something may, some, something may have happened that, like, caused them to break down this way. Or something in their brain may have happened that caused them to break down this way. And you just have to be patient and explain that, of, like, the, well, this is what I've learned. And now I'm giving you what I've learned to make of it what you will, Right? Because even, like, even when we explain race here, or mental health in, like, especially, like, in the BIPOC community, it's so different. Like, go to, it, it, it's like, it's not even a thing. It's like, why are you, why are you complaining, <laughs> right? Kind of thing of, like, why are you saying that you just want to go see, you just want to go see a doctor for to waste money. Like, that's the, that's the, the, um, the discourse that's out there, right? That's the rhetoric that's out there of like, you know, like there's nothing, you you know, just go and sleep. If you want to rest, rest. Eh? But like, there's nothing wrong with you. Or um, why are you complaining where there's, there could be worse things, right? Or, or like, you know, just take it, take it or pray to God. Not that to say don't pray to God, pray to God, obviously. But like also add other things. <laughs> There's other like help that you can seek out, right? Like if you're if you're being abused in your relationship, it's more than just like, oh well, what did you do? Kind of thing. Like it's like it's not just one person. Like let's have a conversation. Let's see how we like what is causing and then remove that person from situation. If someone's asking you for help, they they help them, right? Oh, uh, and if someone is saying like, oh well. 
I feel depressed today. I feel sad. Then they're like, what are you sad for? Because of, because of what? What are you? What is sad? That's literally what you would be asked, right? Of just like, depression is not a thing, <laughs> right? Uh, it's like you, everyone is struggling. When I, back in my day, I would walk from this place to this place. <laughs> and you're telling me you're sad. You're telling me you're emotionally tired. No, I was, I was physically emotional. I was sweating, and not to discourage, not to, oh, not, not, not discouraging or dismantling the struggle that our ancestors before because it, it was, was real, real struggle. <laughs> but when we're real. saying now, the struggle is different now. It has, it has mm. um, gone through evolution mm. and it's become something else. Yeah, you know, like mm-hmm. the meanings of what those things were that you were feeling then. You would have just been told to walk, 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 make money. It's like material yeah. things would have solved the problem, maybe. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. now, because we live in a in a in a world where we're opened up to different things, we're opened up to different um areas, and the struggle is different now. Mm-hmm. Not to say the the physical struggles aren't real of poverty and all of that, but within that, we're now opening our minds to be like, okay, within poverty, there's also depression. There's also um, sadness. There's also mental health struggles and cognitive struggles that you face on a daily. There's also abuse that you face on a daily. And now you, there are resources that enlighten, like, enlighten you to it being like, well, I can't, you can't like not see it anymore. Like you can't just like see something happening and, not, and walk away, right? Your eyes are open. That's why we, now we have people constantly protesting against many these things that they don't like about the world. Because our minds, our eyes, our internet, everything is open now. We have access to all the things. So it's just like a re-education. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> yes. And I do think we're, we're coming to a close. And I'll let Paula uh, do that. But just before we, we transition into the last kind of segment of our podcast for today... I also do want to say um, that we speak from our experiences um, and in terms of, you know, Nigeria or Colombia or Canada, we were we were speaking very broadly. But if you guys have been with us, you know that we are always very sensitive um, to our positionality and to make sure that when we are speaking in in generals, we are we are acknowledging that we are coming from a particular background um, with particular experiences and so when we are on here we are speaking from those experiences and they are not necessarily um representative Mm -hmm. or indicative of of all experiences so i'm gonna hand over to paula and she's gonna kind of bring us into our last piece here (laughs) um first of all thank you jessam for all that you have shared with us i think it was all great and yeah it was important um, but so here, let's talk about it. We have this thing we call last minute moment where we let our guests have a moment to say something that they want to bring back from our conversation or something that they want to talk about that they didn't have a chance to. So please go ahead and give our audience uh, your last minute moment. Um, this was a great conversation that we had today. And I would just like to say that, um, bringing it back to the question of what happiness is i think as we've said happiness is relational 
because we are human beings and we are what that means is that we're relational beings so we attach meanings to things and whatever that meaning is is what we then live our life by and if you if you are struggling with finding what happiness means to you then you should you know live in that struggle if you find it because it's something that is attainable it's whatever you make of it you know that's what happiness is is whatever meaning you put onto it and it can be going to get ice cream or going to eat bounty chocolate or taking a walk or reading a book or even asking for isolation time from certain things from the world and being by yourself that that can be what happiness is you know you shouldn't if you're struggling with finding that tiny bit of feeling of that good feeling of, of happiness it doesn't mean you should stop or like not find it just you know take your time find what that meaning is but do it in a healthy and positive way um and you know it's always something that's attainable you know after the struggle there's always a light there's always a rainbow at the end of the tunnel so um yeah follow your own path thank you so much Josam, and thank you to everybody listening and we'll say thank you to nini again even though she's no longer uh, sitting with us um but this was an excellent conversation and we're so grateful that you took time we know you have a busy schedule and we love that you were able to join us today and so with that we are saying goodbye and we'll catch you next time Adios, amigos. <laughs> this is oladria nosier this is bona and we're signing out for let's talk about it whatever it is if you would like to stay in contact with us you can visit our website at www let's talk about it pod.com or send us a quick email at host at let's talk about it pod.com we're also on all social platforms on facebook and instagram at the let's talk about it pod and on twitter at the capital l t a lowercase i t pod we'll talk to you soon bye for now